Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. Because righteousness governs the world. Come take a musical journey. From the suburbs of Long Island to the ghettos of Kingston. A heartbreaking overdose. A disturbing discovery. The last chance to redeem a stolen legacy. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica from a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up Stand Up, the whalers sing, not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents Rootsland, Season 1, Reggae Junkie Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. 
Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your way here, checking out this uh, episode and series. If you're not a subscriber, uh, hit that subscribe button. I put three new interviews out every single week, new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcast, Acast, YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. You can subscribe. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm talking with one of my all-time favorite bands, Southern Culture on the Skids. I've got Rick Miller on the line. We sat down over a Zoom call to discuss the band's new album, At Home, with Southern Culture on the Skids. And uh, Rick's going to reflect on on how the pandemic changed their style of writing and recording, and also how it made its way into the lyrics, as well as his talents of taking those small moments in an otherwise mundane daily routine and making them into this grand, fleshed-out, wacky, sometimes uh, insane song. So <laughs> we're going to get into their uh, also their, their famous mix of psychedelic sounds with surf and rockabilly, where that came from, how campy horror movies influenced that sound, and being a part, speaking of horror movies, um, you know, I, I first heard of them, of course, like a lot of people, with the song Camel Walk way back in the early 90s, but it was really the song Strangest Ways that was on the I Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack that made me a really big fan, so he's going to tell me about that experience as well. Now, on this record, At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids, they also do some uh, a cover. They do a cover of Dear Mr. Fantasy, so we're going to get the backstory on that, and actually how it took some inspiration from Spaceman 3, and we'll head back in time for the 30th anniversary of Too Much Pork for Just One Fork, and talk just a little bit about their uh, their release that they put out last year with the uh, Kudzu Records Presents. So let's do this. It's Kyle Meredith with Southern Culture on the Skids. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's so good to talk to you. I've been a fan for so long, and I am so excited to be talking about a brand new record oh, right yeah. here. Yeah, at home, called, Southern at Culture. Home. So my dog on the cover. <laughs> His name oh, that's is right. Buck. We named him after Buck Owens. <laughs> We're fans. <laughs> the dog does not sing. I, I think I remember you saying online, but uh, no, he doesn't sing. Let's take a nice picture yeah. there. He's my biggest critic, though. He says a lot of my work's just plain rough. Uh, that's bad. That's a good I know. way to start. It's a good way to start. Yeah. I like that. He was here for most of the recording, though. You know, it's all well, okay. So he gets to. He gets to have the opinion on it. He does. Totally fine. He does. Yeah. He's very I, I know it's the obvious the obvious title here, but is there a little callback to uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins with that at home with? By well, chance? no, I'm a fan of Screaming Jay, but no, 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 no. It was just kind of how where we ended up with the record. We made it mostly here in my living room, so we just thought, well, it's at home with Southern Culture on the Skids, you know. So recording it this way, uh, writing it, I don't know if the, the songs were written during all of this, but uh, knowing that, you know, it's at least a portion of this all happened within the pandemic. Does that change the way you would actually typically even write the song? Is there differences in the record with that? I think there is, because most of the songs I had to write myself with the guitar without the band. And we brought them in as I got it down. So it's almost a little more... I would I would not use this term with us, but a little more singer songwriter in in a way, right? As we could only be. But and again, recording most of it here in my living room, basically where I'm standing, is uh, we had to use you know we just couldn't be as loud, so we used a very small drum kit. We used uh, very small amplifiers, much more acoustic guitar on this. I think the one thing that was really interesting was how much 
more we got we we worked on vocals on this one because i i don't maybe it's just the comfort of being in your own living room but uh mary and i had a great time singing and working on the melodies on these songs it was just really fun you mentioned that singer songwriter thing you really get that at the very end of the record with everything grows in her garden i mean that's that's the most non-traditional scott song i think on the record uh, maybe that's why it's at the end yeah and i thought it was a good it was a good finishing song you know because it's it's optimistic it ends on an upbeat uh note i think you know it's time to get to work getting work in her garden you know for all things grow <laughs> does um you you write you know when you look at songs like java or whatever you know there, there's a traditional way that you write but but is it is is what's happening out there represented in some way on this record? Did you find that you were reflecting or wanted to reflect what was happening in the world within the songs? I think uh, that obviously uh, Call Me was literally about the first few weeks of the pandemic. I mean, literally, I was sitting on my front porch trying to get online to get some unemployment, you know, and figure out what to do next. And oh, the sites just kept crashing and then the bad news just kept flashing, you know, and I mean... I, and I just wanted to talk to somebody, you know, and everything that was cut off. So that song, obviously, you know, and, and the one line in there is true, man. I mean, it took me a, I had to, I had a connection at the local supermarket. That's the only way I could get bananas and garlic, right? And toilet paper. He would call me and let me know when the trucks were coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> so those lines, they may sound silly, but they are all true. They are all true. <laughs> it's it's funny hearing what musicians have been able to find inspiration within this because I was talking to some who were like I didn't really write anything this year because what am I going to write about I couldn't but but you found a way I guess to figure that out well I mean it I think all I think little things make great songs and if you can just find something that you do during the day that you can reflect on a bit you know, and write a song about it. And when you're writing the lyrics, you never really know where it's going sometimes. And then once you hear it with the music, it defines it more, but then it kind of has to age a while. And then you go, oh my gosh, I see kind of what I was thinking about that. Or I, I see where that was going, right? And uh, so, no, I actually really enjoyed writing during the pandemic <laughs> because I, well, one thing, we weren't on the road, and I could take much more time in thinking about the songs and the lyrics and the melodies and things like that. So that was nice, actually, to have that time to sit and just think about nothing but music. And we never really, I, I just figured if we had the time off, the best thing we could do was just work and write and play. And uh, obviously, we couldn't do it all together a lot of times, but, you know, we did, you know, and we got the records. We have actually, and we had another record out. I got it right here that this one is, there was six newer songs on this one. This was re actually the first six songs were a reissue of a old analog box set that we did, but we did more covers and put them on that. And, and then we did all these originals, but no, I, I enjoyed my, I made a good use of my time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you brought up the uh, the Kudzu Records presents the record there. I, I, I get that the the four six new songs, four of them were covers. I got to tell you, Jesus took my burden. Sounds so good, like oh. I love the sound of that song. <laughs> that's Slim Whitman. That's like my that's like one of my uh, guilty pleasures. I do like me some <laughs> Slim Whitman. You know what I mean? I mean he can yodel. You know I I don't know. I, the Wayward Wind is a great song too, and some of the songs are almost surreal. 
the way he talks about the I can I can only give you the Milky Way and things like that and that Western kind of thing with the yodel and the the reverb. I don't know. It's kind of surreal. There's a surreal edge to all that stuff too. You just got to look for it. You know, you got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, that, that psychedelic cowboy style. I think right. I, I th tend to think of that, which <laughs> which really isn't far off from the surf rock thing. You know, I, I've talked to. Marty Stewart, he he dabbles a lot in that kind of thing, taking the uh, the old rockabilly surf rock, but putting that psychedelic desert thing on there. I mean, what a great genre, niche genre. Oh yeah, well I think it it's very it relates because surf music kind of bled into to the psychedelic movement, right? Back in the '60s, so you know it's a kind of logical progression in a you know sort of a historical way. And I know that Marty Stewart is a is a music historian, you know, and that's the cool thing about playing rock music nowadays is that you can draw on all these genres you can pull it together and if you're a music fan like i am it's it's so much fun right especially on covers records where you can take it and twist it around a little bit we started doing that on country politan favorites and we kind of did it a bit on this one not quite as much but it's you know if you're a fan of music it comes out right and a lot of it comes out just like that, where you're twisting genres, blending genres, you know? It's like I say, it's like a plate lunch, you know? It's like, you got your meat, you got your potatoes, you got your peas, right? But they all blend together in the middle and that's the best bite, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, and you've made a great career out of that. I mean, some of the greatest songs, you know, especially in these sounds that we're talking about here, I, I wanna tread some old ground, um, but, but specifically even, like I even hear it on the first single in this Run Baby Run. Your music works so well with uh, the horror genre, the thriller genre, that type of like, you know, I, what I write down here, you know, when I, when I look back and I think of those old cartoon skeletons dancing, oh, you know, yeah. from the 30s and 40s, like <laughs> where did that sound come from for you? When did you start to figure out that you all were good at that? Well, we, I, I love horror movies ever since, I mean, Growing up, I remember like B movies, grade Z movies, right? At the week at the drive-ins and, and at the local theaters, matinees and stuff as a kid. We've just always loved horror movies and Mary loves horror movies too, right? So that whole, and, and just the idea of B movies. I love B movies because kind of like the auteur, the directors, you know, no budgets. They do it. It's a lot of it's DIY. They get to, you know, it's like, it's their vision, right? They don't have to answer to a lot of commercial you know, they do have to answer to some commercial, but not as much as like major studio stuff. So I love watching on film noir. We've got that one song on there called Night Driver. That's a great like film noir kind of theme song. And Run Baby Run would be great. Like Mary, I was always thinking it'd be great to get a green screen with Mary on a motorcycle, right? With like all, and find out all these cheesy monsters that you could throw behind her, like chasing her, you know what I mean? you know she'll outrun them all you know <laughs> it just works perfect for that stuff and, and like I said like 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 most people like a lot of people I should say you know I, I first heard you guys with Camel way back in the day <laughs> yeah but it was um it was um it was Strangest Ways that really brought me in and it was because what was that on the soundtrack I, I was that I know what, I you, know did. what you did last summer that's right <laughs> right which the song is much better than the movie I'll point that out so. <laughs> well you know we when we made that movie the wildest thing was we made that uh, we shot that scene down in North Carolina, down at uh, Southport, right by the coast. And I believe it was in like, it was March or April, might even be, been later or earlier in the year, but it was so cold out and they had dialogue, right? So, and they were supposed to be having a beach party. So they had these big cranes and they would, they would say, okay, 
30 seconds and then have all these people come out and there'd be all these people shivering with their coats on and they'd throw their coats off and they'd have bikinis and, you know, and all these buff guys, you know, and stuff. And they'd hit the music, right? And so we'd get about, you know, about 10 seconds of the beat. And of course we were this, we were like that far away from our instruments because we couldn't make any noise. Nobody could, right? Because they were doing dialogue. And all of a sudden the music would come on, you grab the beat, the dancers would start dancing like this, you know, twisting in the sand and then dead silence. And everybody's, you know, <laughs> it was, it was surreal. It was surreal, you know, but it was, it was really fun. And a lot of those people in that movie went on to be pretty big stars, I think, you know? Absolutely. And, and I should say at the moment in, in that time and place, I liked the movie. It's more of an aging thing. Strangest ways, I should say, it's aged much better than that movie. <laughs> yeah. you know, but Thank I think you. everybody in the movie is fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of those fun moments. Um, again, I, I want to bring up on this uh, At Home With record too. You know, more of those fun moments on this record with At Home With. Uh, like I had, I did a double take when uh, when Polka Dot Dress came on because I went, that's that's eight, P bo eight piece box, well, right? Yeah, the intro is really close and it's an yeah. A. I shouldn't be saying that, but it is. But you know that line in there about the Polka Dot Gravy, I got that right from Hassel Atkins. You know, check him out. I took him out to eat one. He was like a guy, a one man band from uh, West Virginia. And he was down here and I took him out to eat to get some pork chops and they wouldn't cook them the way he wanted them. So he asked for polka dot gravy. Right. And, <laughs> and the waitress just looks at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and he, he was like, anyway, it was hilarious. He was a very cool guy. Yeah, the idea of the callback anyway within a song, like I'm always a fan of that, especially, you know, in bands that have been around long enough. I mean, does that does that ever go through? Do you, do you all take those opportunities uh, often? Oh, well, sure, sure. Again, I think it comes back to the kind of the music historian that's in us all, right? And how, like, you can just kind of channel some of the feeling that you had about maybe that artist or that lyric or just knowing the guy because it's just a personal offhanded thing right eating dinner someplace and uh and we're and you know he just talked about polka dot gravy you know and 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 that's you know i don't know it just pops in there and you go well that rhymes it'll work but it gives you the right <laughs> mental image you know <laughs> but again you're you're rhyming and everything like when i think i want to go back to another song we were talking about earlier with don't spill the java like when i hear that song i think how much of that was just improv on there but but you like, like Sparks, the band Sparks, you're so good in the way that they take those little moments and make them these grand, more epic type of things, you know, within three minute pop structure. Sure. No, I, well, like I say, really to find, to be able to find inspiration in your daily routine or the things you do every day, not only that, but you know, lots of people do have routines. Everybody does, right? And everybody, that's something you can share with people also, right? Something as simple as making a cup of coffee and how you get out the door with it without spilling it on yourself, right? How you go to take that first sip way too soon and you burn your mouth, right? And, and you know, it's just just stuff like that. But people relate to it, you know, and it makes people smile. So I got to ask then, how does Dear Mr. Fantasy fit into all of this? <laughs> Strangely, yeah. Well, I always, you know, I always really liked uh, the song. And again, it going back to like a, like, I don't think you should ever think about cover songs as a certain type of genre or you can do it or you can't do it, right? If you like the song, you like the melody, you like the, uh, you know, the, the structure, whatever, 
try it, give it a shot. And I always thought like, wow, Dear Mr. Fantasy would sound so cool with a banjo, right? Because I always think of like, wow, what if, what if like a, there was some hillbilly traffic fans out there, you know what I mean? And, and how would they have done this in their garage, like back in, you know, 1971 you know, or something, you know, up in Boone or, you know, and just having some fun with it that way, you know? And that's how it kind of started. And then Mary did a, a great vocal on it. And I don't know. And we psychedelicized it up a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm, we're big fans of like Spaceman 3 and, and I mean, Pan and stuff like that. We're fooling around with some of the modulation and some of the Moog synthesizer on, um, uh, on Don't Spill the Java. Those flatulent sounds are incredible, right? You know, we just have fun with it. Uh, we really like the, uh, the, the Moog, I should say. The Moog is really fun to play. And that's showing up on more and more of our, our recordings. It does. It gives that that cool sound. That uh, it adds a little something, you know, that little something. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll quickly turn the uh, clocks back just for a season too, because um, this is a year what too much uh, pork uh, for just one fork. It turns thirty this year. This is the thirtieth anniversary of that one. Yeah, um, that's right. Ninety one. I was um, I it just coincidental. I, I've been thinking about that time in music and that time in pop culture and how the allowance to be weird was starting to come up from you know the underground into the mainstream you know we saw it, we heard it in the music we saw it on tv you know you get Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that a little bit after that or what whatnot was that something that you were kind of seeing when you all were coming up like when did you notice this was working connecting with people outside of your own little space well we it was funny because we were never really part of the Chapel Hill scene or sound which was much more kind of a REM uh, vibe indie vibe and, and and then super chunk and things like that we always kind of existed on the periphery so we were kind of free to just like fool around with stuff but yet we had that kind of indie rock uh you know kind of periphery that kind of influenced i think maybe the way we looked at some of the more traditional forms of music that we were playing with but i've just always loved blues and rockabilly and country music and to find a way to blend all those together but make it like different right it's like it's one thing to be a revival band but it's a different thing to be a revisionist band and I always thought that that's kind of what we were and I remember trying to find a way to make us stand out I remember like just talking to Mary's mom Mary's mom used to be in in theater right like local theater in Roanoke Virginia right and she had all these wigs and all these theatrical things and I said oh Mary get some of your mom's wigs let's just wear them let's just have some fun and like I used to wear those old bib out overalls, but you know, my grandpa was a, uh, was a, was a dairy farmer and that's what he wore to work every day. And I thought, well, you know, if he wore his bibs to work every day, damn, I'm going to wear my bibs to work every day. And you know what I mean? It just kind of evolved and, you know, so it's kind of like who we are and what we, you know, it's a little bit dress up play and a little bit of who we are and we just mixed it all together. And we really do try to be entertaining. Did you know, I mean, could you tell that you all sounded like, like nothing else at the time though like yeah and it wasn't anything that we really planned you know it was just that that's how we could play <laughs> you know we did the best we could right I remember when Dave came and joined because he and Mary had been in uh, lived in Roanoke together and they played in high school bands and doing frat shows in Blacksburg Virginia Tech and stuff and uh, Dave came down to join the band and he had a huge drum kit you know just you know big rock kind of drum kit 
And I, we were like, eh, nah, you got to get rid of that, Dave. And we, we were so mean to him. We were so mean to him. We made him, we made him get a, throw it all away, put it all away in a big box. And then we gave him a, he got a, uh, like a, a drain pan for changing your oil. And he put it on a snare sand, stand and he drilled a hole in it and put a little splash symbol. And then uh, we gave him a, a beer box to put it all in that he could also use as a kick drum. And that was it. <laughs> and I played in a, I play, I had a little uh, silver tone amp in the case. And Mary actually did have a bass with a little, you know, some sort of small, smaller PV thing. But, you know, we were driving around in a pickup truck all over the Southeast playing gigs and we didn't have any road cases. We couldn't afford them. So we just, there, everything had to be small enough to fit into a couple garbage bags, right? <laughs> we just tie it up. Mother of invention, right? right That's exactly. the whole line That's right there. Our, and that's the story of our sound, I guess. It'll oh. fit in the garbage bag. <laughs> it's a good title for something right there. Yeah, It'll I fit in the so. garbage bag. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm so glad it, it worked out the way it did. Um, I should point out right now, tentatively, well, I say tentatively, it's on the books. You guys are actually going to be here in Louisville on uh, October 14th, um, God willing, yeah. uh, at Headliners again. We love seeing you over there. Oh, yeah. What does the rest of the year look like for you? I mean, um, well, the bulk, of our, the bulk of our touring that I know that will will probably happen is in 2022 you know and uh we have a pretty full full schedule in 2022 um going out to the midwest out to colorado california i think the northeast at some point so but it's still also it's all just kind of tentative we just keep rescheduling as needed you know and as things kind of open up or don't open up you know none of us have, my wife's a nurse so i get the lowdown you know, and uh, she thinks that, uh, you know, by later in the fall next year, that things should be picking up, you know. She can't say much about the fall, though, so that that kind of, you know, we'll see. We'll just have to see. We'll, we'll keep see. our fingers crossed. But, you know, we love Louisville. I've said this before, but we always used to go to Louisville whenever we had two days off and we were within, like, 200 miles, right? Because really? Yes, because you guys, Bargetown Road, is the used to be i don't know if it's still anymore but they had the best used record stores thrift stores they had guitar emporium right and then i think at the very end of bargetown road when you crossed over the the beltway the belt line i think we used to we used to stay at a hotel down there called airport inn it was like mm -hmm. 29 dollars a night right and it was across the street from that strip club the toy tiger back uh -huh. way back in the day Anyway, so whenever we had two days off and we didn't have any money, that's where we headed, man. We headed to Louisville and we'd fill that van up. We'd, we'd fill that van up with used records and stuff. And so we couldn't even fit in. We'd have to go to UPS, send it all back to North Carolina. The Tiger's gone. There are now two Thornton gas stations in its place. Uh, <laughs> most of the record stores are still here, uh, unfortunately, uh, except for Ear Ecstasy. But oh, really? John Timmons, who ran, who owned your ecstasy, is now a DJ for us at WFBK. Oh. So he's still in the music community. But oh, uh, that's funny. That's fun to hear. Anyway, um, I'm glad you all were able to use this time wisely. I mean, to get basically two albums out of this, uh, including the uh, the Kudzu uh, Records presents. Uh, it's so fun what you all do, and thank you so much for continuing to do it. Oh well, thank you. I really appreciate it really do yeah rick it's been a pleasure talking to you today uh thanks for taking the time man uh hopefully we'll see you sooner than later yes sir you take care my thanks to rick miller southern culture on the skids the new album is called at home with southern culture on the skids as well as last year's kudzu records presents check them both out so thanks to you for checking out this episode uh before you get out please do subscribe hit that subscribe button uh spotify itunes apple podcast acast 
Podchaser, YouTube for the video version of this, or wherever you get podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. It's a whole lot of fun. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all three of them at Kyle Meredith. I'm over on TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 Hope you like and follow along and make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Yeah, it's been a hard year for heaters and, uh, and air conditioners, man. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.